Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate Team Mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi. How are you? (laughs) What if I did the whole podcast, like, speaking like that? (laughs) It would be crazy. Anyway, hi, everyone. I hope you are having a good week. I'm fine. Not much has been going on in Team Mom World. Um, as I spoke about last week, I am having a major issue keeping up with the Beaver family drama. In case you didn't know, Rachel's last name is Beaver. It's like, you couldn't fucking write that. <laughs> Basically, Stephanie and Rachel have been fighting with Mallory every day of the last week like I wake up and I look on Teen Mom Reddit in the morning because I'm a psychopath and it's one of the first things I look at and it's non-stop it's like eight posts will happen overnight about like their fights on Instagram live and as I said I am like Goldilocks when it comes to drama there can't be too little and there can't be too much if there's too little or there's too much I just don't care The drama has to be just right. I am at full-on drama fatigue with them. They've been going off all week. Also, it's very similar to, like, the Shen and Ashley drama that was going on last year, two years ago, whenever that was. It's not about anything interesting, at least not to me. Like, there's nothing about their fights that's very compelling. So they're having these, like, crazy blowout fights, and it's such a hard don't care because it's just about, like, dumb bullshit. It's like, you said I was a crackhead, but I'm not a crackhead. I just drink. Like, I don't care about a fight over that. (laughs) Do you guys get what I'm saying? It's just not that compelling. I think if there was some interesting hook to it, I could maybe dig my teeth a little bit more into it. But they're fighting. I don't even understand why they're fighting. They're on Instagram Live, which, by the way, like, Instagram Live is a curse. Like, don't go on Instagram Live. Nobody wants to watch your Instagram Live. Nobody cares about your Instagram live. Just don't do it. None of us, none of us need Instagram live. Instagram live should just go away. Um, But like, I just don't need to watch someone sit on Instagram live for 20 minutes. Just first of all, like there's nothing worse than watching someone's Instagram live and they're just responding to comments. But because of however Instagram works, like they're responding to comments that aren't even happening at the same time that you're seeing the comments. So they're just, like, reading out loud shit that you can't even see. It's so boring. And having fights about, like, shit that doesn't even make sense. Um, I think that they're probably all doing drugs. If they're not doing drugs, then I'm, like, even more concerned. (laughs) Does that make sense? Sometimes people behave in ways in which I'm, like, if this is not drug-motivated, then I'm, like, really deeply concerned because if it's drug motivated like that it all tracks you know what I mean like if someone's smoking meth or smoking crack or like doing whatever they're doing and getting on Instagram live and ranting like 
somebody totally detached from reality, like, the solution to that is they just need to stop doing drugs and get sober, and, like, most likely they'll be fine. Um, if somebody's not on drugs and they're behaving this way, it means that they are either, like, having some sort of break with reality, which is very scary, or their personality is just so awful and they will never be better and there's no coming back from it. And both of those options are very bad and scary. So, yeah, like, Stephanie was up all night one night, like, ranting about Mallory on Instagram Live and apparently was saying she had to go to work at 6.30 in the morning. And it's like, so go to bed. (laughs) What are you doing? Go to bed. And so, yeah, don't come to my Instagram and look for (laughs) updates with Stephanie and Mallory and Rachel because I just don't care, unfortunately. Um, they're just not that interesting for me. I do like watching them on the show, on Team Mom Young and Pregnant, but it's also kind of the same thing that they just start screaming at each other, and I'm like, what are they fighting about? I feel this way about Team Mom Young and Pregnant a lot, that a lot of these fights that happen on this show escalate so quickly in a way that I'm like, huh? Who? Why are they yelling at each other? So, yeah, that's my comment on the Team Mom Young and Pregnant Rachel Beaver family stuff. I, it's all very confusing to me. It's not that interesting, so I'm just not really keeping up with it. Anyway, there was some kind of interesting drama with Janelle this week. Uh, first of all, there are lots of rumors that Janelle is in the Wilmington, North Carolina area, whether that be she's staying with Barb or she's with David no confirmation. I'm not sure if I 100% believe it, but I also don't not believe it because it's Janelle. But I guess Herbie got mad about that video Janelle posted and what she mentioned him. And he went fucking buck wild on Instagram this week. I think at one point Janelle said he was drunk the whole time. And as I talked about when we first found out about Herbie, He is supposedly in recovery or he's a person that has alcohol issues and at the time that they hung out was saying he was five months sober online and I think it really like triggered him and set him off, which I guess I understand. I don't know, guys. It's hard for me because I feel so far removed from that like early sobriety mentality in a lot of ways. Like it's hard for me to wrap my head around because it's just not... It's just not my reality anymore, and it's almost, it's, I don't know if this is weird, but, well, I mean, I don't think it's weird. It's been over five years since I've been in early recovery, you know what I mean? Like, I'll have six years sober in May, so it's just, like, physically been a long time, and then emotionally, mentally, I just feel so detached from it in a lot of ways that I can't imagine, like, what I would have done at five months sober if someone accused me of faking it. I don't think I would have reacted the way that Herbie reacted, but I'm sure I would have been upset because it's something that's so sacred, I guess is a word for it, and it's so hard and it takes so much work that when somebody accuses you of not being authentic in your sobriety, I I can understand how it's really triggering, but at the same time, it's like you are doing too much, Herbie. Uh, he decided to go buck wild on some of like the teen mom shade room, teen mom drama Instagram account comments. Uh, lots of shaming of Janelle's vagina, which <sighs> I'm so over. I've been over it since it started. People always make fun of how her labial looks and I just don't care to participate that. I never care to participate in that. I think it's the lowest form of humor. I think it's so fucking gross. I have no respect for anybody who does that. Um, 
none. I it's just so gross. It's so unnecessary. Ugh. I I those are my least favorite like fandom jokes, making fun of what Janelle's vagina looks like. It's just so stupid. It's so stupid. Um Herbie apparently threatened to release a sex tape he had with Janelle, which is crazy, but basically his explanation was Janelle was so fucking boring, he ghosted her. She flew all the way to Boston, then rented a car, then drove to New Hampshire and got an Airbnb. And he said she was so fucking boring and weird and awful that he ghosted her. Then he went on to do a, uh, like, an Instagram Q&A in which he, like, answered all these questions. But honestly, like, a lot of it to me sounded like a lie. He said, people are like, which teen mom did you now talk about the most? And he was like, Farah. And it's like, what? Somebody asked what... Janelle said about David's dick and he said that it was small and I'm like why were you talking about David's dick (laughs) like Herbie that doesn't make you look good that makes you look like a fucking weirdo that you were like having full-on conversations with a girl you were seeing about her husband's dick like that's bizarre I don't maybe it's just because I'm an old lady now but I can't imagine like talking to my new guy about what my ex-boyfriend's dick looked like (laughs) Why would you ever talk about that? Although this is supposedly, not supposedly, this has been like a running theme in Janelle's relationships. Maybe she just really likes to talk about what guys' dicks look like with her new partners. (sighs) He also said that he didn't think she was a bad parent, (laughs) which is a weird takeaway. Hold on, I want to find some of these questions so that I can read them. He said he talked a lot, she talked a lot about her esophagus spasms, and he said he called it fake. Uh, He said she's so fucking weird and socially awkward. I'm a social butterfly. She is not. I just, like, here's the thing. It's he who doth protest too much, very much for me, you know? Uh, He will not stop going online and talking about her and how he ghosted her and how she's so gross and so awful. And it's like, to be honest... You are talking so much shit about her. It really sounds like she ghosted you. (laughs) And that she's the one on top here. Because Janelle hasn't posted that much about him. She did post the meme from... A meme from Mean Girls. Like, why are you so obsessed with me? Uh, She posted... Like, she posted a couple things. And like I said, she supposedly started it. But he has just gone so hard and so crazy... And talking about her that it's like, okay, but it sounds like you're the one whose feelings are hurt. (laughs) And, like, even if she did say you were drinking, like, who really cares? You know, in the long run, like, who really cares at all? Like, what does Janelle have, like, what does it matter what Janelle says about you? Not to mention, like, he's the one the only reason we even knew about Janelle and Herbie is because he's the one that bragged to his ex-girlfriend that he was gonna fuck Janelle she posted it on the Facebook group they Facebook group found his social media and he had posted videos of Janelle so we only know about him because like he is the one that talked about it and he's the one that posted her on his social media he's the one that you know, went public with it, if you will. I mean, he didn't really go public with it. But if you hated her so much, like, wouldn't you just completely ignore anything about her? Like, if I was him, I would probably just, like, make a whole new Instagram and never comment on it ever again if she was that awful. 
But it's obvious that he's trying to get attention and people are giving him the attention. And I take everything he's saying with a big grain of salt, like big, big grain of salt. He also said he paid for everything, which I'm assuming he means like food and stuff like that. And I don't believe that. (laughs) Janelle always pays for everyone. I'm also sure that Janelle paid to fly up there and rent the Airbnb and rent the car. Oh, one other thing. I saw some people on Reddit speculating that Janelle, like, doesn't have the money to fly to Boston. But I think Janelle probably has more money still than we would imagine. I also think that Janelle probably has access to a lot of credit cards. Uh, You know, I've seen some people say she couldn't because she has bad credit. But Janelle was making a fuck ton of money every year. And I bet Janelle has a lot of credit cards with high limits and is just spending, like, there's no tomorrow and maxing out her credit cards. I would imagine that's her plan. So yeah, I think that's it for teen mom drama this week. Really just Herbie and Janelle stuff and then teen mom young and pregnant stuff of which I'm not closely following because there's just too much. Um, I did watch the newest episode of teen mom young and pregnant. I kind of think what my plan is while Teen Mom Young and Pregnant is on the air by itself, is that I might do every other week on throwback episodes. I think that that's a fun way to do this. I don't think Teen Mom Young and Pregnant is compelling enough for me to recap every week in that, like, I like the show and I like to watch it, but as I've discussed, I just don't think, like, recap-wise, it's that compelling for me. Like, this is going to be a shorter episode. I apologize, but I will do a throwback episode next week And I'm going to figure out my schedule so that I can get a guest on to make it a little more fun. And I just, you know, it's just hard. It's just hard to recap a show that doesn't have the years of drama. But I do like Teen Mom Young and Pregnant. I like to watch it. So yeah, let me know if you guys think that's a good idea doing every other week Young and Pregnant and throwback episodes. Okay. So let's talk about Teen Mom Young and Pregnant. You know, it feels weird to get into an episode this early. I feel like I usually have 20 plus minutes of goss to talk about, but I guess we just don't have it this week. I apologize in advance. I already know this episode's going to be under an hour, but I already lined up a guest for next week. Yes, because it takes me about 18 hours to record an episode when I'm on my own. It's been like 45 minutes since I said the word throwback. I paused. I watched like 30 minutes of TikTok videos because I'm truly addicted to the app TikTok. And I texted somebody and asked if they would come on the podcast next week. So don't have no fear. Don't fret. We'll be golden. Okay, so let's talk about the episode, shall we? We shall. Let's start with Brie. Um... I'm confused. <laughs> I watched, so in full disclosure, I of course watched last week's episode of Team Mom Young and Pregnant, even though I didn't talk about it on the podcast, but I didn't take notes, which means I watched it like in the background because I don't watch. The only thing that I like truly watch with rapt attention is Teen Mom because I'm taking notes on it and I have to. And if I don't take notes on it, then I like fuck around on my phone and I would have nothing. I would have nothing to talk about, if you will. I am totally addicted to screens. It's really bad. I like can't just sit down and watch anything. I'm always on my computer or my cell phone, like doing other shit. 
I don't know, like, when this developed and got so bad, but I think it just, like, my ADD has fueled this addiction to my screen so much. I don't watch any TV shows, like, straight on. So I watched last week's Team Mom Young and Pregnant, and I heard her mention that she had met Jaden, who is a female-to-male transgender person, and that Jaden didn't live in Oregon, but she was talking to him. But I have questions. How do they meet? Why did he not, like, move from Texas to Oregon? I did hear in this episode that his mom and sister live in Oregon, which is great. That's good. Happy for that, that he didn't just move there for Brie. But, like, how did it suddenly happen? Did they, like, I kind of assumed that they must have met on Instagram, but then Brie said, like, did you like my profile picture? Or, like, did you like my profile? Which, to me... I don't know. I wouldn't describe, like, my Instagram as my profile. That feels like something that, the way that you talk about apps. So does Jaden have, like, the premium Tinder account where he can change his location? Isn't that a thing? Because sometimes I'll be on Tinder even though I fucking hate Tinder. I hate it. I hate online dating so much. I swipe, 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 and then never start any conversations or respond to anybody that messages me. Oh, I just hate it so much. Which is why I'll never have a relationship because it's impossible to meet people in real life and I hate dating apps. But I do sometimes notice someone will be like 8,000, literally 8,000 miles away from me. You know, usually it's like 2 miles, 4 miles, 18 miles. And then occasionally someone will be 8,000 miles away from me and I guess it's because they have like premium Tinder subscriptions, which... I don't know. I'm not judging if you have a premium account on a dating app, but it also feels dark. <laughs> I feel like if you're going to pay for an app, it should be like Match.com. Does that even make sense? Probably not. This is unnecessarily judgmental, I'm sure. But I would assume maybe he like changed his location so he could talk to her, or maybe they were on an app that I've never heard of that doesn't have location restrictions. I don't know, but they've met. In real time, they've already broken up. This lasted very shortly. As I've discussed on the pod, Brie ended up sending him, like, really transphobic messages in their breakup that were leaked online, like, maybe a month or so ago. I know I talked about them, but basically in the messages, she calls him a bitch and says it's because you're acting like a female and, like, uses his dead name because he's acting like a woman. Like, really shitty transphobic stuff, which doesn't surprise me. I think that there is, I don't know. I've had some people, like, I've seen some people, not I've had people. I've seen people question how it's possible that she's continuously getting, like, trans boyfriends because there just aren't that many female to trans people. But I think in reality, it's that Brie is, as her sister says, Brie is bi. So I think she's probably already operating in LGBT spaces, And I think once you're in LGBT spaces, like, you're more likely to meet people that are trans or non-binary or just gender non-conforming than the average straight person on Tinder. Uh, I think because she's already open to to people that are not psi. I know the word is cis, but okay. I've talked about this a million times, that I read words online and come up with a a way to pronounce them in my head. (laughs) For a long time before I'll hear them out loud. And cis to me, I've always in my head pronounced it sigh. Please don't ask me why. It doesn't make any sense, but that's just my reality. So 
I'm sure Brie just like by nature of being in LGBT spaces, probably having men and women on her profile and just in general being more open to swiping on trans people is going to date more trans people than the average cis straight woman or man. At least that's just like my suspicion. I have seen some accusations of her being like a chaser, like somebody that specifically is dating trans people because it's a fetish. But I personally don't feel comfortable saying that. I don't, I don't know. I like, I don't know enough about that, that I feel like I could speak on authority with that. And I don't, I just don't think it would be like appropriate for me to label her that because how the fuck would I know that? Anyway, I just think that Brie is more likely to have trans boyfriends just because she is more likely to already be in an accepting position because she's dated trans guys in the past. And so she's just more likely to swipe on people that are trans than people who have never dated trans people or people that are not LGBT or in LGBT spaces. Um, yeah, so that's my thoughts on that. But Brie keeps saying, like, I'm moving slow, but then, like, this guy is moving from Texas to Oregon quickly. Um, I want to say, like, I just think it's so crazy and probably also good, like, how quickly weed has been normalized in the last, like, six years. Um, let's say, like, six years. It's just so crazy what legalization has done for the culture that, like, this guy will get on TV and be like, oh, yeah, I moved to Oregon because they have legal pot. (laughs) Which, you know, in my stoner days, like, wouldn't have been a bad reason for me to move somewhere. (laughs) But then he's also like, or I'll work at, he's like, well, I want to work at a dispensary or, you know, at a VA hospital. And I'm like, yo, like, there's been progression because I feel like Five, ten years ago, if you wanted to work at a VA hospital, you would never openly talk about smoking weed on TV. And the fact that you move somewhere for it to be legal. I'm actually also wondering if VA hospitals drug test their employees. Um, and I would imagine if they do that, they screen for weed because they are federally funded programs, right? The VA. If you know about that, let me know. So, yeah. Anyway... Bree's sister, Vanessa, is moving to Oregon. Woo! Exciting. I kind of figured she would eventually. I'm happy for her being out there. I know uh, Jessica, Bree's mom, has got a lot of criticism for moving to Oregon so impulsively, but I think in the end, it was probably a good decision for their family. They are closer to Bree's grandparents, and it seems like Bree's grandma is able to help them a lot. She's with the grandma a lot when she was sick and couldn't watch Brayden, Brayson, Uh, The grandma was there. I understand why they moved. Do I think she did it, like, impulsively? Sure. Also, it's so beautiful where they live. That fall B-roll that they show, oh, so pretty. Uh, So, Vanessa and her boyfriend move out there, which is great. I'm happy for the whole family. And, like, the night that Vanessa gets there, Jaden also gets there. Um, I don't know. I think that Brie, like, saying, I'm going to move slowly is not real. (laughs) I don't think Brie knows how to move slowly in relationships. I would imagine, especially with a guy that literally picks up in life, his life and moves <laughs> to where she lives. Like, he just, like, drives from Texas to Oregon, which is, you know, not a short drive. Uh, even if his mom and his sister move there, it seems like he really sped up the process so that he could be with Brie. And I just don't see how that possibly, like, could end up in a relationship going slowly. 
I don't think Brie has it in her to move slowly in relationships. I just think she's the type of person that's always going to move quickly and always going to take things, like, way too fast. Uh, Jaden seems nice, but he's talking a lot about weed, which Brie apparently doesn't like because Milo smoked a lot of weed. Uh, I'm kind of surprised to hear that because I'm, not that Milo smoked a lot of weed, because I think that Brie smokes a lot of weed. Like, is it just me, or does Brie seem like a major pothead to everybody involved? Maybe she was a major pothead when she got with Milo, and then when she had Brace in, like, she slowed down, and she expected Milo to slow down, and he didn't, and I don't know. I just get vibes of, like, do you really care if he smokes a lot of weed? <laughs> just as, it does not ring true to me. <laughs> uh, as I said, in past episodes. I'm still calling for Brie to be off this show. While I am excited for a new boyfriend that could potentially cause drama, I just don't think she's that interesting. Oh, the other thing is that Brie works at a dental office now and she really likes it and she wants to go to school for to be a dental assistant, which I think is great. Um, I don't know that much about dentistry. I famously did not go to the dentist for about 100 years and then just had to get like $2,000 worth of dental work done in the last six months. <laughs> oh, that was rough, but I did it. I did it. I even have a, nut, a cleaning on Tuesday because now I have to get cleanings every three months instead of every six months because I took such bad care of my teeth, but thankfully did not do permanent damage. I even floss every day now like a real rock star, but is there a difference between being a dental assistant and a dental hygienist? Um, I know, like, I, I know that there's people who work in the dentist's office that aren't hygienists and aren't just, like, the receptionists. And I understand that dental hygienists, like, do a pretty significant amount of schooling. So is a dental assistant, like, one step down from a dental hygienist? I think either way, whichever one would actually be a great option for Brie. I think that working in a dental office where she probably gets paid, if she is a dental assistant, um, she probably gets paid time off, health insurance. Like, I think that's a great option for her. I know Kale at one point was going to school for dental hygienist. I don't think Team Mom Young and Pregnant is going to have the same power that Team Mom 2 or Team Mom OG has, although they have, of course, already surpassed Team Mom 3. But I just don't think that this is going to be a end game for somebody like Brie. And I think that her going to a technical college and getting a, like, specific certificate is a really great option for her. Although I felt sad when she went and the person was like, okay, well, you're just, like, not going to be able to go to work <laughs> when you do this. But it's, I mean, it's probably also the truth. Like, it's, I would bet it's, like, a 9 to 12 month program. And it's accelerated, and it's just really hard to have a job during that. And I definitely feel for Brie being discouraged, but I think I would recommend Brie, like, taking out a loan and just doing it. Although, I don't know if I would recommend that. I have no idea how much it costs or what she's actually getting a degree in. Let me walk that back and say I would really like for Brie to do this, to figure out a way to do it. I do understand, like, it's not possible for her not to work, um... As I've talked about, like, I'm looking at grad school and I've had people be like, are you going to go full time? And it's like, no, I have to have a job. 
I'm not going to school full time. And I'm sure Brie feels much the same way. So yeah, that's it for Brie. Like, she's just not that compelling to watch on TV anymore. I hate to say it, but everything interesting about Brie was actually Milo. And without Milo and no chance of Milo coming back, even though they were hooking up for like a hot sec, but that already ended, I just think that we could delete her from the show and move on. I'm not sure how, though, they'll continue to do that if they're going to continue to swap in and out moms, because I do think uh, it will be weird to like have girls pregnant when the like original well I guess it won't be that weird because Amore and Hazley will be pretty young it'll just be weird if like some of the kids on the show are three some are one and then there's newborns will it be weird I don't know I'm not sure how I feel about all this and how young and pregnant will be going forward but let's talk about Kaya right after a quick break so Here's my main takeaway about Kaya and Tiaza. Why the fuck is her mom Tiffany, who by all accounts seems reasonable, nice, kind, has a strong head on her shoulders, like why is she letting Tiaza live there? Um, I understand that Tiaza and Kaya are in a relationship and that Tiaza's plain parent to Amor, that's what I'm going to call it, plain parent, because that's really what it feels like. Um, I think they're abusive. They're abusive. (laughs) Freudian slip. I think their relationship is so toxic and unhealthy and abusive. It almost feels weird to say the word abusive because it feels so reciprocal. You know, they're both behaving like this. Their relationship is so sick that I am wondering why Tiffany allows Tiaza to continue living in her home. I, like, if I was Tiffany, I'd be like, you gotta go. It doesn't matter who's wrong or right, because I really think that it's equally both of them. They both seem so bad for each other. It's so toxic. I don't think that it would be a, a pun, like, I don't think it's coming from a punishment aspect. Like, if I was Tiffany, I wouldn't be doing this to punish Tiaza. It wouldn't be about that. It wouldn't be like, you need to get out of my house. But it would be like, I cannot in good faith pay for you to live here so that the two of you can behave like this. You know, when Tiffany, or excuse me, when Kaya calls Tiffany at work and is like, I'm going up there. She's hanging out with females. I'd be like, this is it. She's got to go. I can't. I understand that they're going to be together regardless, but I personally could not be funding this. Like, I am really questioning why Tiffany is allowing this to go on in her home. This is so unhealthy and it's also unnecessary because, I mean, it wouldn't be necessary even if Tiaza was the the baby's other parent, like her biological parent, which obviously is not possible. But let's say Tiffany was, or why do I keep messing up everyone's name? Let's say Tiaza was a guy and she was the biological father. Like, I still would find this, like, completely inappropriate for her to be enabling. And if the two of them want to fight and scream and live together, then they can do it under their own roof, paying for themselves. I just would not be able to condone this. I wouldn't be able to have them move to my house fighting like this. I think that Tiffany is really letting too much go on under her roof. Um, I couldn't do it. I wouldn't I wouldn't entertain it. I don't like it. I their relationship is really hard for me to watch. 
I wonder if part of it comes from Tiza doesn't really have anywhere else to go. I know she doesn't get along that well with her mom. And maybe Tiffany feels a responsibility to let her live there. And feels like if she puts her out, she's putting a teenager out of a house and home. And that this teenager wouldn't have anywhere else to go. And I can definitely understand that mentality. But I just cannot, for the life of me, understand like how Tiffany can deal with living with the two of them. They are so toxic. Watching this fight was, it was honestly kind of scary how quickly it escalated, how it escalated, what it escalated over, how they talked to each other. Um, I would be very not surprised at all if they physically fought one another because it just, the level of emotion and anger and like violence in their voices is really it's really next level how close they get to one another why they're they're screaming like both of them just screaming on the top of their lungs within inches of each other I don't know how that doesn't escalate to physical violence um I mean I guess it's possible that it doesn't but I personally do not believe that you can have sustained screaming matches at one another where you're that close you're that emotional, you're that young, you're that, like, impulsive, you know, that impulsivity that comes from being 18 years old, which they are. I don't know how they can be in such a tight face space screaming at each other like that, and that it doesn't eventually escalate, if not, like, punching each other, but pushing, shoving, hitting, kicking. It just, there's nowhere else for it to go. You know, like, if they're screaming at each other like that constantly, like, when they're in that bath, I think they're in the bathroom, they're inches from each other, screaming on the top of their lungs and so angry. And eventually, I don't see how one or both of them don't escalate it to violence. It's really scary, honestly, watching the two of them fight. Um, There's something about it that feels so intimate and personal in a way that we haven't seen on some of the other shows in a long time that really, it really concerns me. And I'm worried that Tiffany is kind of allowing this to happen in her home. And the reality is, is that there is a little innocent baby involved in this and that Kaya is Tiffany's daughter and that Tiffany needs to step in and put her foot down and say, like, if you two are fighting like this, then you cannot live together here. Like, I don't get why she's just letting them live there and scream at each other. I would not. I would not. And I really question the judgment of somebody that's allowing it to happen. So basically, Tiaza is graduating from high school. And once again, it's just a reminder that, like, Tiaza gets up and goes to high school every day. <laughs> It's just wild. That's just wild to me. I don't know why I find it so wild, but I do. Um, They're going to Tiaza's prom together, and Kaya's excited because at her prom, she was pregnant and couldn't really enjoy it, and she's just, like, excited that she's going to get to experience it, which I definitely understand, and once again, it's just a reminder of, like, how young Tiffany, not Tiffany, Kaya and Tiaza are. Like, they're just really little, little babies. (laughs) They're tiny little babies. Um, Kaya in this scene had only one acrylic on, like a super long acrylic. I think it was like on her thumb or her pinky. It just looked really funny. I'm sure she was going like that day or the next day to get a fill, but it looked absolutely silly. It looked like press on nails. So basically they make plans that they're going to go shopping that weekend to get their outfits. They, 
Kaya wants them to go shopping together. I think she really sees this as like a special event. They're going to get their outfits together. They're going to match. They're going to be a cute couple. And it's I do understand that it's important. And she feels like she really had this experience like snatched away from her because she got pregnant. And I can understand like I do remember how important prom felt when you are a teenager and how this feels like the be all end all. And I would imagine like especially when you have a baby and things just feel so stressful that you get to like have this like prom fantasy night is really important. So they make a plan to go to the mall on Saturday, I guess. And Friday afternoon, Tiaza, I'm assuming it's Friday afternoon because they have the plan for the weekend. Tiaza decides to go to the mall with her cousin instead. And Kaya loses her fucking mind. Now, I want to say that I don't think Kaya was wrong to be upset I understand like I especially understand it when I was younger I was very much like this where you just like put all of your expect it's all expectations right where you just feel like if you don't do this one thing like everything is going to fall apart and it's not going to be perfect and I would imagine especially like she doesn't seem to have a job that we've seen at least not at this point. Um, she's not going to school and she's probably home with the baby all day. And this idea of like going and looking for prom outfits together, she was probably looking forward to it all week. And I know I'm better with it now, but when I was younger, it was like really hard for me when people would cancel plans or like somebody promised me that something would happen and then it didn't. That would be like meltdown central for me. So I definitely understand where she's coming from. But looking at this as an adult with a rational mind is like, why is she bugging like that? Like, she just flips out so bad. And I'm sure it's because she is, in a way, I think she's probably jealous of Tiaza. Because Tiaza gets to get up. She goes to school every day. She has her friends. She has her family that she seems, like, pretty close with. You know, she always seems to be with, like, cousins and friends. And she has a life outside of the baby. And I'm sure that's hard for Kaya, who every day wakes up and does the stay-at-home mom thing, which can be really draining and isolating, especially at any age, but especially when you're 18 years old and you're used to, like, being in school every day and hanging with your friends and being a teenager. And she doesn't get to be a teenager anymore. And I think that she like, had this idea that, like, we're going to go shopping together. We're going to get ready together. It's going to be the best night ever. And I also think that there's an element of, I think in a way, she's probably jealous that Tiesa can walk away at any time. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think she is jealous that, and is very aware that at any point, Tiesa can be like, okay, I'm done. And then she doesn't have to be a mom anymore. You know, Tiesa could wake up and be like, I don't want shit to do with any of this. Like, I'm going, I'm meeting with my cousin, I'm blocking your number, I'm never seeing him more again, and I'm outie. Like, I'm done with this. And she wouldn't have to be a parent anymore, and there's nothing that Kaya could do about it, because she is not a biological parent. She's not on that child's birth certificate. They're not married. There's really nothing that Kaya can do, and Kaya has very little control over that, and has very little control over Tiaza, and I think that that is a big sense of insecurity from her, and she's really scared of that happening, and probably also very jealous because Kaya can't do that, and I'm sure she doesn't want to do that. Like, nobody wants, well, I shouldn't say nobody, 
But most mothers don't want to just like get up and leave their children. But I would think that it's probably kind of hard to be with a partner that like really could do that. And I mean, the reality is any parent could get up and walk away and just refuse to parent. But there are options that the parent that stays could take to at least like make them accountable for child support, you know. And, of course, like, any father or mother can be like, okay, well, I'm not doing this anymore, and just refuse to see the kid, and refuse to co-parent, and refuse to have anything to do with the kid except, like, court-ordered child support. But, I mean, she couldn't even get that from TAZ. And I think that that, I wouldn't think that that's, like, uh, consciously what Kaya is thinking about when she flips out on Tiaza for just, like, doing normal teen stuff and hanging out with her friends or seeing people. But I do think that there is a large part of that going on. I also think that they have never worked through the fact that Tiaza cheated on Kaya and Kaya's never forgiven her for that. And just watching them fight is, like, they're having... It's so weird because, in a way, they're having such a a grown-up fight, like, a scary, like, fighting, like, grown-ups. I don't know how to describe this, but it just feels like a very, like, serious relationship. That's not the... I'm not sure exactly how to describe this, but they're not fighting, like, high schoolers in some ways, at least to me. Maybe it's just because I didn't have relationships like that in high school, and I don't... Well, I've never really had relationships where we, like, screamed at each other like that. That's just... I don't scream like that. That's not my vibe. If it does happen, it's, like, so fucking rare. Um, like, so rare. And so maybe it's just, like, hard for me to relate to this in general. But Kaya flips out because Tiaza does something in which she promised she would do with Kaya. And she calls, I think at first she calls her friend. I couldn't tell if she was talking to her friend or her mom. I know she's talking to her mom later. And she's like, do I have a right to be mad? And you could tell the person on the other end was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I just feel like Kaya probably exhausts everybody around her. Remember in that the episode where they go to get Amor's ears pierced and uh, Tiaza's cousin's just, like, sitting in the backseat of the car. Kaya's cousin, I can't remember which one. One of their cousins just, like, sitting in the backseat of the car. So they scream at each other. Like, I think that's everybody around them. Like, they're regular. <laughs> Ugh. So they call, they're screaming at each other on the phone. Kaya's demanding that she comes home immediately. She's like, you're at the mall. Who are you with? Like, so you're with your cousin Titi, but who else is there? And Tiaza, like, won't tell her. So Kaya's sure that it's with other girls Tiaza's trying to be with. It's just so exhausting. She talks to Tiffany about it, and Tiffany is like, you need to calm down. But it's not enough. It's not enough. If I'm Tiffany, this is when I'm, like, really reassessing everything that my 18 year old daughter is calling screaming about what her living girlfriend that's living in my home is doing to her over something that truly makes no sense I mean it makes sense like when I really put myself in the mindset of me at 18 but as an adult it's hard for me to wrap my head around like the level of anger that she feels Tiaza eventually comes home and like I said they just scream at each other. They're standing inches away from each other as they're screaming. The baby is there, of course, hearing all of this. And it's just scary. Like, watching this fight was scary to me. It wasn't like, ooh, drama. It was like, I really think that these two are about to escalate to physical violence in a way that I find scary and uncomfortable to watch. And this worries me. It just worries me. 
mm. Ugh, they need to fix they need to break up really and grow up okay let's move on to ashley so ashley graduates from her medical assistant uh certificate program this week which is great i'm proud of her i think it's great when people go to technical school uh, and get a certificate that they can use that can help them. I think that that was a great thing for Ashley to do. And I'm proud of her. I'm proud of her for graduating. She does wear a cap that says, just another teen mom. Um, my question is, though, because she's like, when I got pregnant and I was a teen mom. But I thought Ashley was like 20 or 21 when she had uh, Holly. I thought Ashley was a little older. Maybe she was 19 when she had Holly. I thought she was in her 20s when she had Holly. Somebody did message me on Instagram and say, do you think that she decorated that on her cap because she thought she was going to be on Teen Mom 2? So, like, Teen Mom. And maybe. Maybe she did think that that footage would be, would be on Teen Mom 2. But this show is also Teen Mom Young and Pregnant. Um, I don't know. Was Ashley a Teen Mom? I looked up her birthday. And she's going to be 23 in March. And isn't Holly only two? <laughs> so I don't think that she was a teen mom. But anyway, I think it's great that she graduated. She didn't invite Bar to her graduation because she's like, we need some personal space. And I thought that was a good plan. Um, you can tell T is really proud of her. Her sister's really proud of her. Everybody's really proud of her. And I'm proud of her. I think it's great when people further their education. I think it's great when people go and get, like, technical degrees. They're really valuable. And I'm happy for Ashley. Do I see Ashley, like, working as a medical assistant in 2020? Like, no. Probably not. But, like I said, I don't think teen mom is young and pregnant is going to take off for years and years and years. And they're going to be making $500,000 paychecks like their predecessors. So I can I see Ashley in eight years working as a medical assistant? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I absolutely can. And who knows, maybe she'll go into nursing school. I just think it was a good, it's nice to see like graduation storylines, you know? It's nice to see it. And I do think Ashley is a hard worker. And I do believe that she got straight A's. I think Ashley is somebody that when she puts her mind to it, really does it. I think that she has a good family that gives her a lot of support and that it's nice to see an accomplishment. And I think that she could do a lot if she puts her mind to it. And I'm proud of her. And also Holly is like the cutest little baby. I just love Holly. I think she's so cute. Um, but not that much happened in this, this week. Barr is happy that he can help Holly more. And she's letting him take Holly. I did notice that she called Barr an Uber to bring Holly back. Like, Barr is just such a fucking bum. Barr is such a bum. For him to watch Holly, Ashley has to pay for him to, like, Uber her around. I don't think Barr will ever have a job in his entire life. Like, not for more than 18 days. Like, he'll never work somewhere for more than 18 days. And that's what is frustrating about Ashley. <laughs> because she's still with Barr. She can say she's single all she wants, but she's pretty clearly still with Barr in current time. And they spend a lot of time together, and they probably, I'm sure they fuck. And it's just hard to watch somebody who does seem motivated and does seem capable and smart and a hard worker 
be with somebody who is like dragging her down so much. And as I've said a million times, like I think that's going to be Ashley's life for a long fucking time. Like, I think her and Barr are going to be playing this game where she drives his ass around everywhere. She has to pay for his Uber all around forever. (laughs) And that sucks. That's a really, that's really shitty. But nobody's forcing her to do that, you know? Like, she's the one that's choosing to do this. Nobody's making her do this. So, Ashley, (sighs) she's still young. Like I said, she'll be 23 in March. I hope she grows up and grows out of dragging Bar's ass around. And I hope she realizes that she doesn't have to drag Bar's ass around forever. And that, in a lot of ways, Bar just makes her life worse and harder. And I think that she feels like she needs Bar to watch Holly, but I think a babysitter (laughs) would do her a lot better. (laughs) Oh, Ashley, Ashley, Ashley. All right. Let's chat about Rachel. So, she hasn't seen Jacob or Drew in weeks. (laughs) Oh, wait. Is this from last week? Oh, first I need to talk about Rachel last week, which is that last week Rachel took a pregnancy test. It was negative. Thank God. And that she's like, okay, well, I need birth control because if I don't get birth control, I'm going to get pregnant immediately. (laughs) And I'm glad at least she has some self-awareness. And she goes to the doctor, and the doctor is like, okay, you should definitely get the Skyla IUD. And Rachel's like, well, is it going to hurt? And the doctor's like, yeah, it's going to hurt, but, like, it's going to be immediately effective. You won't get pregnant. And Rachel's like, okay, well, then I'm not doing it. Like, I don't understand. Rachel, like, you know so many drug addicts. Like, just go and get a perk eat the perk, and then go and get the fucking IUD. Like, you've had a baby. Like, you pushed a baby out. Like, you can you can stand the pain. You can do it. You can do it. I also wonder why they didn't um, offer her the arm implant. I don't know how much that hurts going in. I'm sure it's not painless. But if she's so anti getting an arm implant, she's told the doctor straight up that she can't take the pill on time. Why are they not offering her NuvaRing? NuvaRing is a great option for her. I loved NuvaRing. I was on NuvaRing for a while, but then I went off it because this was back in the day before birth control was, like, really covered and there was no generic and it was literally $80 a month. <laughs> but NuvaRing is a great option because you don't have to take it every day. You're not worried about taking a pill every day. And it doesn't hurt to put in. You just stick a ring up you and then you take it out and then you put a new one in. Nuvering is a great option. Do they sell the patch? I was actually on the patch in high school and I was trying to like regulate my period. It made me so sick. Like pre me ever having sex, I was on the birth control patch. I'm not sure if that still exists, but Nuvering is definitely an option for her. The arm implant is definitely an option for her. I'm wondering why like the only option seems to be IUD or pill in 20, well, I guess this happened in 2019. We have alternatives to both of those. And I think NuvaRing would have been a really good option for her because she straight up says that she doesn't take her pill. (laughs) She does not care to take her pill. She will not take her pill. So it's not actually birth control. The doctor asked her if she's using condoms and she says no. And in a confession says that some guys find it disrespectful to ask to put a condom on. Ugh, Rachel. Rachel. This, it's so bad. It's so bad. Watching her is like a true, true train wreck. Like, 
uh, it's just beyond. It's too much. It's really too much. <sighs> so, yeah. I guess, and she does get pregnant again because we know she miscarries. Um, but in this week's episode, she hasn't heard from Jacob or Drew in weeks. They both have stopped asking about Hazley, which, surprise, surprise. And we find out Mallory's back with her, with Emerson's dad, Lane. Uh, they all go out to dinner. And Stephanie is like, look, I'm not trying to be judgmental of him, but once a beater, always a beater. Which, like, yeah. Just the way she said it. Like, calling him a beater is... I don't mean to laugh because it's not funny that Lane is abusive. It's just a funny way to phrase it. Mallory says that he's doing much better mentally. Oh, God. And they all decide to take a trip to Atlanta, which I guess is where Stephanie... I don't think, I think they live in Tennessee because that's where Stephanie's mom lives, like the grandma lives, and I would assume that when the grandma got custody, like the kids went to Tennessee and then Stephanie eventually moved to Tennessee, but I guess Rachel's dad and like a lot of their family friends and maybe where Stephanie was living when she was drinking and drugging um, live in Atlanta or in the Atlanta area. They live in Georgia. So they decide to take a trip to Atlanta so they can see their friends and it's over Emerson's first birthday, so Mallory's like, well, Lane has to come. And they're all like, okay. Oh, God. These people are so dysfunctional. And Rachel says that if they're going to Georgia, she wants to see her dad because she's been wanting to see her dad. It's been years, and she really wants her dad to meet Hazley. And Stephanie just is not happy about it. Stephanie, as we've seen in previous episodes, she just really hates the idea of Rachel seeing her dad at all. She doesn't think that her the dad deserves to see the kids. And I can understand, like, why she thinks that. I understand that mentality. Like, well, I had to do so much to get my kids back, and he hasn't done shit, so why should he be able to see the kids? But the reality is, is, like, that's Rachel's dad, and if she wants to see him, then she gets to see him, and Stephanie shouldn't throw such a fit about it. Because it just makes Rachel want to do it more. I don't really understand how Stephanie hasn't figured out yet that, like, every time she pitches a fit, it just, like, makes Rachel want to do shit more. Because Rachel is extremely defiant and comes from a very dysfunctional background and really feels like she can't be controlled. Ugh. It's really... It's fucked up. So... Stephanie is just mad, like, the dad won't pay child support, he doesn't help at all, and she's like, so why would you even want to see him? But the reality is, is that, like, kids and teens and people don't, like, they don't care about those things, you know? Like, I'm sure they care a little bit, but Rachel's not like, well, I can't see my dad, I don't want to see dad, fuck dad, because he doesn't pay child support. No, she probably has this fantasy that when she sees her dad, it's going to be all amazing and great, and they're going to love each other, and everything's going to be perfect. So, they all go to Atlanta, and it's nice. They see some family friends. She calls her dad and sets up a visit, and her dad is, like, ready to see her and the kids. Ray, or Mallory is even, like, maybe I'll go with Emerson, which Rachel's surprised about because, I guess, Mallory's never really cared about their dad, and they have a bowling party for Emerson. Now... At the party, Mallory decides that she does not want to go see him. She's like, you know, I just don't care to, like, put in the effort to go there. Like, if he came somewhere where I was, I would, like, say hi. I would let him meet Emerson. But I don't care to go meet up with him, which I think is, like, a fair 
a not assessment. Like, I think that's a fair decision to make. Like, she doesn't want to go out of her way to see her dad, but she's not, like, anti-seeing her dad. And she tells Rachel that, and Rachel's like, yeah, I get that. Like, I totally understand. But Stephanie then kind of flips out because she's like, well, you can't go by yourself. And Rachel's like, well, why can't I go by myself? Like, that's bullshit. And Stephanie's like, I just, I need you to have, her like, a responsible driver, like, basically being like, well, I I can't have you going by yourself. Like, it was fine if you and Mallory were going, but you can't go alone. Then they get into this fight that I was like, what? <laughs> it was crazy. They suddenly are screaming that Stephanie will beat Rachel with Rachel egging her on. Because Rachel's like, well, you can't stop me. And Stephanie's like, I can stop you. And Rachel's like, you always say that you're going to stop me, but you can't do shit to control me. And Stephanie's like, I choose not to beat you because I'm a good mother. And Rachel's like, so you should beat me (laughs) because you won't. All you do is talk shit. So stop talking shit and actually beat me. Like, this is the literal fight they had. They were screaming at each other. Rachel was like, I dare you to lay hands on me. And Stephanie's like, all right, bet I will. In public, mind you. In a public place, they're screaming about the fact that Rachel thinks that Stephanie won't beat her. (laughs) And Stephanie says she will. (laughs) It's such a silly fight. I was like, are they really fighting about this? Stephanie says she's a good mom because she chooses not to beat Rachel. And Rachel says she's a bad mom because she lets her get away with whatever she wants. (laughs) I mean, truly an iconic reality television fight. (laughs) So the next scene, they're in the hotel room and Stephanie apologizes to Rachel for saying that she would beat her. And Rachel's calmed down and she's like, you know what? I thought about it. You're right. I understand. Like, I wouldn't let Hazley go by herself to see Drew Jacob. I understand why you don't want me to go by yourself, by myself. Like, I think that makes total sense. And there's this guy named Jake in there who I'm not quite sure who Jake was. He seemed really normal. Like, he looked normal. He spoke normal. He couldn't be normal because he was in such a close proximity to the Beaver family. But he seemed normal. And Stephanie basically decides, like, Jake, who I'm assuming is, like, a family friend, Jake is going to take Rachel and the baby to go meet the dad, and he'll have dinner with them, and it will be fine. And Stephanie speaks to Jason, who is Rachel's dad, and tells him this, and Jason is pissed. He's like, why the fuck does Jake need to come? This is my daughter. And Stephanie's like, well, he's driving her. It doesn't make sense that he would just drop her off, then come back and pick her up. Like, he's just going to have dinner with you. And Jason is like, fuck you. Why can't I see my daughter? You think I'm going to let my daughter get hurt? And Stephanie is basically just like, no, I just don't want her to go on her own. So Jason hangs up on her. He calls Rachel. And Rachel is like, yeah, like, Jake's just going to come. It's okay. Like, mom doesn't want me to go by myself. And I'm not 18 yet. So I have to listen to what she says. And Jake's just going to come. And her dad is like, well, I'm sorry to do this, but I'm just not going to see you because my visit shouldn't, like, hinge on the fact that I have to see Jake. Now, a little more context to this, I think, would have helped. Like, do Jake and Jason know each other and not get along? Is Jake, like, some sort of bad guy that Jason doesn't want to be around? 
Or is Jason really just flipping out because he feels that it's unfair? And I think that this is the reality. He just feels that it's unfair that he be expected to have like a supervised visit with his daughter, even though it's totally reasonable that Rachel doesn't go by herself. And I understand why Stephanie doesn't want Rachel to go by herself because her dad does seem to actively do drugs. Like they, they don't say like my dad is actively using, but they say like my dad didn't get his stuff together like my mom did. So I can understand why their mom is like, "Mm, no, we're not into this. I don't feel comfortable with this. Like there needs to be somebody else there just in case. So I feel sad for Rachel in that moment, but in the end, I was glad that she understood that Stephanie wasn't trying to, like, punish her, but it was sad. I mean, she didn't get a chance to see her dad that she thought she was going to see for the first time in three years, and her dad has to be such an asshole to cancel the visit like that. So, yeah, that's it for the Beaver family. (laughs) Their last name being Beaver is truly incredible. And let's talk about Kayla, who there was some internet drama with Kayla. I thought about talking about it at the top of the episode, but I thought it would make more sense to talk about it in their segment. So Kayla is moving to Iowa. I'm still confused about whatever the fuck is going on in Iowa because, yes, he's on the roster. Luke, apparently he's playing games at the school, but why have they not posted anything? Neither of their social medias have anything about Luke playing basketball on them. It's so weird. They don't post from his games. They don't post pictures of him in his uniform. They don't post baby Aria and baby Isaiah, like, cheering daddy on at the game. It's very weird. Especially if you go look at his social media, which I did this week at his Instagram, he has like a basketball highlight and there's a bunch of posts on it, but they stopped like 20 weeks ago. It just, is he not actually playing? Is he riding the bench? I'm so confused about what's going on with them in Iowa. It just doesn't make sense that like you're playing on a college team and you literally never post about it. Especially in the past, like when in the past he posted a ton about playing basketball. Just doesn't make sense to me. So, in this episode, we find out that Kale's mom, Jamie, is going to sell her house, quit her job, and move to Iowa with them. Which is definitely weird. By the way, my dog is barking in the background. I'm sorry if you can hear it. But, you know, she's just not trained that well when it comes to her barking and I can't control it. Jamie is going to move to Iowa to be with them. Um, Kayla seems uh, unexcited about it. I think it's, okay. I think it's weird that she's going to move to, like, without, without Kayla being, like, so 100% on board, I think it's very weird. I can understand wanting to be near them because he's moving, you know, they're moving three hours away. She's with the grandkids a lot. She helps them a lot. She loves her grandkids. She, Kale's little brother is away at college, I believe. So I can understand her being like, well, you know, what am I doing here? I don't want to be here all alone. But I don't really get I don't know. A lot of this conversation seems weird or fake. Like, just on camera, Jamie's like, oh, well, and I'm moving there. I'm not telling you. Or I'm not asking you. I'm telling you that I'm moving to follow you there. I just think it's very weird. Luke seems, like, unexcited about it. But at the same time, like, Jamie hasn't done anything on this show so far that made her seem like a particularly bad or even overbearing mom. 
So I'm a little confused by this whole storyline. I feel like they kind of just threw it at us like kind of quickly in a way that just didn't make a ton of sense. Uh, All of a sudden we're like, wait, at least for me, because I feel like they've always kind of painted Jamie in a pretty good light. So all of a sudden that we're like supposed to view Jamie as like this totally overbearing mother seems very weird to me. Kayla's like, well, it'll be good to have the help, but I just don't want her to quit her job and follow us. Kayla also said that she has mixed feelings because her mom is the reason she had to move out in the first place. Now, this was a while ago. Tell me if I'm wrong, and I don't think I am. Didn't Kayla decide that she wanted to move out and she wanted to get her own place And she still expected Jamie to pay for all of her bills, including her gas and her car. And Jamie was like, well, if you want to move out, then you have to pay for your own stuff. Like, I don't remember there being an ultimatum where Jamie was like, you need, you must move out of my house. There's, you will not be allowed to live in my home. I don't remember that happening. Now, is it possible it did happen? Sure. If I'm misremembering, let me know. But I seem to remember, like, Kayla wanting to move out. She got that apartment originally with her friend. And there was a lot of talk about how she still expected her mom to pay for all of her bills. And her mom being like, well, no, I'm only going to pay for you if you live here. So what is she talking about when she says, like, I have mixed feelings because my mom made me move out? Also, like, I'm sorry. I think it's great when parents support their kids. But I feel like if you choose to have a baby... Like, and your mom makes you move out. Like, that's not on your mom. Like, if you choose to bring a baby into this world, like, you should be able to support yourself and the baby and not be relying on your parents. And if you can't support yourself, then you shouldn't be having the baby. Or if you, and not just you, but if you and the person that you're having the baby with. And like, like, it just doesn't make sense. So this is where I want to bring up the drama that happened this week, which was... Okay, so Kayla's dad has apparently always been active in her life, but chooses not to be on the show, which, like, as you guys know, fair enough from me. I think anybody that is willing to go on reality TV, like, question mark next to them. But somebody commented somewhere, I would assume on Kayla's Instagram, that Kayla should be grateful she has a mother willing to go above and beyond for her like that and stop being like that. I have no idea what this is in reference to. I just saw a screenshot. Her dad replied... I really try not to comment on this stuff, but I have to defend my daughter because she won't speak up for herself. Kayla's getting zero help from her mom unless the cameras are on. I've spent more time with my grandchildren since she moved to Iowa and I'm still in Illinois. Now, this doesn't seem possible to me because the first two seasons of Team Mom Young and Pregnant, Kayla was straight up living with her mom. Her mom was fully financially supporting her and Isaiah. She did not have a job. She had complete access to Jamie's debit card to the fact that Stefan was able to take Jamie's debit card and use it. Like, Stefan was living in Jamie's house for God knows how long. Like, I, this doesn't make sense. Like, Jamie has pretty clearly been Kayla's primary parent. I don't understand what the dad is talking about that Jamie doesn't do anything for Kayla unless the cameras are there. And if you look on Jamie's social media, and yes, of course, I understand that social media isn't everything and doesn't show everything, but Jamie is with the grandchildren a lot. 
like weekly she's posting being with them they seem totally comfortable with them every time we've seen her on camera with the kids they seem totally comfortable with her the idea that jamie is only there when the cameras are around doesn't ring true to me at all also this is my personal bias speaking but anytime like a non-custodial dad is talking shit on the custodial mom i'm like get fucked because it's just so rare that like the non-custodial parent is actually like doing more than we see you know it's always like you don't see what i do um i'm not saying like kills that's a deadbeat because like how could we really know you know what i mean then jamie responded and i will say (sighs) jamie's response isn't great I'm not going to argue with you on here, but I will say the truth. Brian, you are such a liar. I seen help with the babies all the time. You don't even know when the cameras are on. You barely spend any time with the babies ever. So nice try. It's sad that you want to come on social media and try to bash me, but that is your typical style in life. I know the truth. Kayla knows the truth. Luke knows the truth. Tyler knows the truth. Tyler's Kayla's little brother, by the way. P.S. Why don't you appear on the show? Because your wife said you can't and you're too ashamed for people to know you're Kayla's dad. I haven't said a word about you in two years except to say she does have a dad in her life. Stay in your lane. Now, I think the point where she says that you're too ashamed for people to know you're Kayla's dad is, like, really shitty. I think that's, like, a really, really shitty thing to say. Um, For somebody not, like, not going on reality TV doesn't mean that somebody's, like, too ashamed uh, for people to know that he's, like, Kayla's dad. That doesn't make any sense to me. It just means that he doesn't want to be on reality TV. Um, and like his wife banning him. Like if my husband wanted to be on reality TV, I'd be like, I don't know. I'd rather you not. (laughs) So I think that that line is really shitty. The fact that he would say like, the fact that she would say that Kayla's, like you're embarrassed to say that you're Kayla's dad, because that doesn't really hurt Brian, the dad that hurts Kayla. I didn't like that line, but I like Jamie, and I don't think we've seen almost anything negative from her. I think that she has shown with her actions that she is a good mom and a good grandparent. And, like, if this shitty line that she said is, like, the worst thing she's ever done, then I think that, at least for me, that can be forgiven. But, like, she is with the kids all the time. And she hasn't said a bad word about the dad the entire time that I've seen. I've never seen her say a bad word about the dad. So I don't understand, like, and even if it is true that Jamie is, like, some fame whore, camera whore, like, why would he go on Instagram and reply to, like, a random fan being like, Kayla, be nice to your mom? Like, with bashing her, like, why would he get involved in that? Because Kayla's not saying that. And the only person who should be saying it, if that's how she feels, is Kayla. Um, Kayla even posted this week that she was going back to school, except she was going at her, like, a college in Illinois. So I don't really understand what's going on. Maybe she's doing online classes there. And her dad commented, like, he's still being dramatic. He said some shit, like, hold on, I need to find this. He said, you go, girl. Can a dad say that? And she did. Haha, of course. Love you. And he responded, love you too. You and Luke are doing a great job together. Most real thing on your storyline. Now. I think that's a really weird comment to leave in the wake of all this drama, considering he's been calling Jamie fake and only in it for the cameras. I'm, I read that as he's like shitty on Jamie, but I think that Kayla's story seems pretty authentic from what we've seen. 
Like, it seems pretty real. It's her and Luke. It's her and her mom. And it's her fighting with Stefan. And actually, out of all of the girls, I would say it seems like Jamie, or excuse me, like Kayla has one of the more real storylines in the fact that Brian this week, the dad, was like calling Jamie a fake bitch to then on a, like a post where he's talking about how proud he is of Kayla to say like the most real thing on your storyline is an obvious dig to Jamie, I think just shows like how he's trying to make drama. I don't think Jamie's response was like perfect and great, but I do think... I'm on team Jamie until we like hear Kayla say that Jamie is a fame whore and she's never with the kids and she's never around to help. Then I just don't see how that's true. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. I do think it's reasonable for her not to want Jamie to move to Iowa and live in the same apartment complex with her. (laughs) I do think that's a little crazy (laughs) for something that's not permanent. Like Kayla said, like they're not moving there forever to just move, like, for two years to follow. And I think it's weird to do it without Kayla being, like, 100% on board. I'm questioning that behavior, if you will. But nothing that we have seen has shown that Jamie is a bad mom or she hasn't been there for Kayla or that she's only there when the cameras are around. Like Jamie said, like, how would the dad even know if the cameras are around? And if Kayla really is confiding in her dad about all this, for him to then put it online and escalate that, It's not right. So either way, I'm team Jamie, but I guess I am more interested to hear, like, what Kayla thinks about it all. So in this episode, they have a baby shower for baby Aria, and Kayla is due, like, the same day Luke leaves. They don't have an apartment yet. I just can't believe Kayla is going to, like, have this baby and, like, move three hours away with a newborn baby to a place where she doesn't know anyone. I think it's... I understand why she's going. I think it's, in a way, kind of her only option to go because realistically, it's not like he's just going away just for class and he can drive home every weekend. Um, You know, he's going to be on the basketball team and will have basketball practice every weekend, I'm assuming, even out of season. So if they're going to be together, like, she has to go with him. I understand why, but having this baby is just crazy. (laughs) I mean, she did it. It seems like things are fine. I don't know. Kayla makes some choices that confuse me, that really confuse me. And I also, like, in a way, I do understand why her mom wants to go and be close to them and continue helping them. But it seems impulsive, I guess. But I'm also wondering, like, what conversations they've actually had about this off cam, you know? Is she really just finding out about this on camera? Is Luke really just finding out about this, like, three weeks before they're supposed to move? I don't think so. Uh, So, yeah, that's it. I'm definitely curious to see what happens with all of this Kayla, Jamie, Jamie's dad, with all of this drama. Definitely, definitely curious. But anyway, that's it for this week. Oh, look, I made it over an hour. That's great. Next week, I'll do a throwback. I'll let you know what episode I'm going to watch. You'll be thrilled. I'll be thrilled. We'll all be thrilled. (laughs) Anyway, I love you guys. Have a good week. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psychos Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah D. Giovanna for our logo. 
Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos.